Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and we congratulate our good friend and new Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, Mike Claiborne, inducted on Sunday here in town. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well and, and thank you for the kind words and thank you to all the folks who reached out and were part of the event. Uh, it was really a cool thing and uh, I, I appreciate it. What was it like, Claibs, now being a Hall of Famer? Have you changed your signature? Put the HOF on no, there? No, <laughs> uh, my girlfriend reminded me right off the hop that things were not going to change with regard to getting special treatment. <laughs> so uh, even my kids kind of looked at me in the same regard, said, all right, we're done with this. You're back to dad. So, you know, nothing, nothing changes in my household. And you went in with a great group, our friend Larry yeah. Hughes, Andy Van Slyke, Seve, Steve Savard was there, the great photographer Bill Greenblatt. You had quite a group that you went in with on Sunday. Yeah, and let's throw in Jack Watkins, too. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jack Watkins has been a mainstay in St. Louis. And all the high school uh, teams that went in and people, Charlie Brown, one of the first African-Americans to play football at the University of Missouri. Uh, yeah, it was a really good class, and uh, I'm very honored and proud to be part of it. And well-deserved. Claims, I want to know what, uh, what your take is, because you've been around Skip Schumacher a lot. What's your take on Skip being the Cardinals' new bench coach? I'm good with it. You know, I, we talked about it last week. I thought he was a finalist between him. I, the three people I would have lived with were he, Stubby, and Carlos Beltran. Um, I, I, I felt like Skip was one of those original Cardinals that started on the backfields and worked his way in spring training to being a very good player in the majors. He's been in coaching for a while. He, he gets people. Uh, I'm excited for him. And, you know, I, I say to this, Let's enjoy Skip while we can because he'll be a manager someday. I don't think there's any question about it, uh, but I'm looking forward to him. And, and you know what, more than anything else, having a new set of eyes on the ball club and maybe making some je- some suggestions and having some observations that maybe we have maybe either overlooked or maybe not emphasized as much as maybe we could. And what about Turner Ward, Claibs? He is completing the Cardinals coaching staff as their assistant hitting coach. He's going to help out Jeff Albert. What have you heard about him, and what do you think he'll bring to this coaching staff? Good coach. Uh, he's worked with a lot of guys in the past that made, he's made into good players. Um, you know, I know Paul Goldschmidt's on that list. I'll I tell you a guy who really benefited from him was Yasiel Pui. I mean, we, when, when Turner Ward went elsewhere, Yasiel Pui went elsewhere too, home. Uh, and there's some other guys that he's worked with. And, and I think one of the things I appreciate about him is that, you know, I think he was a 250 hitter, but I think he really epitomizes what players, you know, who weren't necessarily great hitters, but understood hitting. And I think he's going to be a good addition as well. Um, hopefully he and Jeff Albert will be on the same page. I know Jeff teaches the game a little differently, 
But uh, maybe a little old school and some new school will come up to be a, a good combination. Claims, I always go back to what Tony Gwynn would tell us. He, he was the classic see the ball, hit the ball yeah. kind of guy. And it seems like Mo referred to the Cardinals hitting instruction under Jeff Albert as a high-level curriculum. Some guys, hey, I brought in my transcript from my junior year of high school the other day. I, I couldn't handle a high-level curriculum. I needed as simplified <laughs> as possible. <laughs> You know what? If I could find mine, I think mine would say something that is the same same way. Uh, and I agree with you. And, and I think, you know, we talk about all you know the analytics and all the information that is available to athletes. You pick the sport. I think if you're a hitter, you know, there's some hitters that that crave for it. And there are other guys who say when they walk to the plate, they want to concentrate on three things. And not try and constant try and not have their hair on fire by the time they step in the batter's box. So you know, I, I think as we heard Mo say, and also uh, Oliver Marmol, maybe maybe change the narrative of how the message is conveyed is something that we may see a little bit more of. And, and you know, what works for the first guy may not work for the twenty-fifth guy. So that's where you have to have two coaches who can get a feel for who can do what and how they can disseminate information compared to those who just crave for more. Speaking of Mo Klaibs, after he made this comment about Paul DeYoung, I, I think everybody was trying to decipher it in one way or another. The quote was, after he broke his rib, I just don't think he ever got on track. In fairness to him, he's not getting a fair shake considering what he's done in the past. As you translate that quote, is it fair to say that you have arrived at Paul DeYoung will be the starting shortstop next season? No, I'm not sure. Okay. And, and here's why. Um I think, you know, on the surface, that's what it says. But, you know, what What president of baseball operations says, boy, this guy wasn't very good for us last year. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do with him because he may have value to someone else, you, you know, who's seen him and saw some of the things he did in the past. You know, he's got a very team-friendly contract. And if you're looking for more pitching, you know, that might be a guy you dangle out there. So, I'm not all sold on it. I, I think that Mo said the right thing for the right situation, but I think that's a two-way street of A, not throwing one of his players under the bus, but B, also creating just a mild interest in saying, hey, this guy's okay. Because he can easily say, we've got a guy that can play shortstop, that can help us, and you know we don't have to spend as much money. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can take that. Personally speaking, I'd love to see Paul DeYoung back. You know, He's been a guy we watched grow. I think the challenge that he has to deal with is is the strikeouts and just the streakiness that we've seen. Defensively, he's been solid. I mean, he's a guy that I think when he came into the season, some people thought he was a gold glove candidate. So that didn't really disappear on him. It was just the fact that the offense, you know, after the first couple of weeks of the season just wasn't as consistent as we had hoped for it to be. Claims there's a great Twitter page called St. Louis Football Cardinals, and Bob Underwood runs it, and he's got tons of video. And he points out that on this date in 1975, Jim Hart threw the phantom touchdown pass to Mel Gray. Mel the, Gray. The, the phantom catch was on this date in 1975. And I'm telling you, if you watch that now and try to apply today's rules to it, there's no way that Dan Dierdorf no would have been able to talk the referee into that being a touchdown. I agree because he would have said, Dan, I'm kicking this one upstairs. Uh, Dan would have never been able to get it done. And, and you know what the ironic thing about that play, Randy? You remember later in the year where there was a similar play that, that Mel Gray should have caught that he dropped? 
in the end zone. And I believe it was in Cincinnati. And that kind of turned things around for the season as well. But certainly a play that was well before its time as far as in dire need of replay. Uh, but you're right. Had we had replayed in, that would have been an incomplete pass. Well, and the amazing thing about it, I remember how mad I got at George Allen because here was the Washington football team, the Washington Redskins, and he demanded a congressional investigation into the catch. Yeah. And he, he almost got it. He almost got You know, he was well-connected in the D.C. area with a lot, of, a lot of politicians. And George had a way of being persuasive. I mean, you think about the fact that he could care less about a first-round draft choice. He wanted somebody who could play then because he knew he had he didn't have time to coach kids up. He wanted to just coach good players, and, and that's why he was a successful coach. A lot going on at Claves Online, and you can follow on Twitter and on YouTube. And we want you to tell us what's going on. Well, we've got what well, we we got a new version. It's called the Two Man Game with Bob Ramsey and Matt Rocchio, and they cover basketball from the high school pro level, college level, and they just talk hoops. Howard Richards and I have Huddle Up with Howard coming up on Thursday, and our guest will be uh, the longtime voice of the Dallas Cowboys, Brad Sham. Nice. And uh, we'll have a little bit more football coming up this week, and of course we'll have some hockey talk, as we always do. So we've got enough stuff to keep us busy. Let's just put it that way. Sounds great. The Hall of Famer, Mike Claiborne, joining us as he does Tuesdays on 101 ESPN. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time, and congrats again. Thank you, guys, and uh, stay in touch. Have a great week.